Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Welcome to the Scare Guys show here in the middle of the shutdown summer, or I guess we should call it the summer that time forgot. Anyways, but we're having a good time because we have a great group of people on the show this week because they are here to prove that some great things do happen in the middle of a shutdown. This is awesome. AMC Theaters, the nation's largest theater chain, had planned to open the majority of its locations or 450 theaters on July 15th, which was kind of encouraging, and the rest of them on July 24th. Now, however, AMC is going to open its first 450 cinemas on July 30th, followed by the rest in early in, in August. Fingers crossed. Um, Cinemark and Regal Cinemas will probably do the same. So with most of the theaters in the country shut down, what is a person to do? There is one segment of this industry that is going gangbusters right now, and that's drive-in theaters, which are having a resurgence like we haven't seen in years. And the number one movie playing on the nation's drive-ins right now for two weeks in a row followed a creepy taut thriller about a controversial social media influencer who leads a team to stay at a cursed hotel over Halloween weekend. What could possibly go wrong? We have with us tonight Antoine Lay, the director, Carrie Lane, the first assistant director, Nelson Pond, director of photography, and Sam Valentine, who was one of the stars of the film. Also, Ben and Luke, introduce yourselves, please. Ben. Hey, everybody, it's your old buddy, Ben Cleaver. And ooh, I just kicked my desk. Anyway. Uh, I'm here, uh, of course, as always, with Con Guy and Scare Guy, uh, except for the nights they ask me not to be on the show because I've been inappropriate on the most recent show. That never happened. Very true. We yeah. invited him back this week, though. <laughs> Kick it to Luke. Luke? And I'm uh, Cheeseman here. Cheeseman in the chair. Usually Cheeseman on the couch studio, but uh, you can call me Cheeseman for now because I could be anywhere at any time these days with the Zoom calls, but I'm here with uh, ScareGuy.com. And we are here with uh, with the creators and some cast from Followed, which we, myself and Luke, just watched yesterday. We watched incredible film, guys. I just can't congratulate you enough on such a really amazing thing. Um, Antoine, yes. welcome to the show. Tell us. Thank you so much. Congratulations on two weekends at number one in the U.S. How does that feel? <laughs> It's absolutely surreal. I mean, you know, when we set out to make this film, you know, obviously I wanted to make a, make a good film. And uh, yeah, I, did, uh, I did, did have high hopes that it would actually go places, but not places like, you know, what have we seen right now? So um, absolutely, you know, I'm in cloud nine. So we're gonna All right. <laughs> if you guys don't mind, we're gonna go through um, our guests one at a time. I would love for you guys to introduce yourselves a little bit. Just tell us a little bit about your background and how you got how you came to this project and how you got into it. So Anton, we'll start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right, so I've always been a, a film buff or you know, a, a passionate film student ever since you know, in college. And in college, we, uh, uh, you know, one of my good friends in college, Matt Brubaker, uh, we formed a film club in, at UC Davis. It's called uh, Filmmakers Ambitions Club. Right. And uh, we started making short films and he always produced all of my films then. And of course, after, you know, after we graduated, I uh, went into the finances industry and I was, you know, became a financial advisor, wealth manager wow. there for literally like two decades. Right. So 
Um, but at the same time, I never really, you know, I, I, I never really let that passion of making movies die down. So during that time, I did make a couple of shorts here and there, you know, just to keep my, you know, just to keep my sanity, so to speak. Right? And uh, yeah, and finally, you know, Matt and I and, and another partner of mine, we formed a production company called Viscape and we wanted to make a film. And, um, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was, you know, to basically fund it with half of my savings. And so that's what I did. So I funded the, the, the movie, you know, or halfway funded. And, uh, you know, we went, went out and reached out to friends and family trying to get, you know, get all the finances together. But at the same time, um, I was really interested in the subject of Elisa Lamb and Post Hells and Cecil since, you know, been living your life pretty much all my life. Right. So, you know, that subject really intrigued me and it's just a bizarre story. And, and we're going to jump into and really kind of dig down into how you guys tore out based everything oh, sure. on the Hotel Cecil because that, that's intriguing. And I know that Ben, who was on the show, that's an area that he, has uh, really looked into, and I, I we kind of bonded over our mutual love of Hotel Cecil a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of like how we started too, you know, from there. And then you know, Mom, Matt, the producer, just hooked me up with the writer, uh, Todd Click, who was very interested in the same subject. And you know, we just had beers uh, mm -hmm. once a week for about a few weeks, and then we finally kind of came up with the concept. Then we just uh, went. Uh, uh, you know, we, we just went fully uh, committed. So we right. cast, even, you know, we cast uh, the actors before we would get all the finances together, before we would get the script together. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to do it because from what I understand is if we don't do it, you know, we just keep on waiting, that will never happen. So, you know, that's, okay. that's kind of like the genesis. Well, and uh, let me jump over to Carrie Lane, who is one of our favorite people. By the way, Carrie Lane, used to be a, a, a very regular host here on the Scare Guys show and the Con Guys show. Now she is- No, we fired her. <laughs> no, she got a she real job. can't get rid of me. She got a real job. But not only that, Carrie is also one of the hosts on, um, it, let me see, Fox Office Breakdown here at the Popcorn Talk Network. And she's just a friend of the show and a friend of Popcorn Talk and After Buzz. Carrie, it is so exciting to talk to you. Congratulations on such a great film. As the first assistant director, how did you get involved with this project? Thank you. And yeah, it's pretty crazy because I remember talking about Followed on Box Office Breakdown and was like, oh, it's going to be coming out. Well, I don't know when, but sometime. And so now it's <laughs> cool actually out. Um, yeah, no, funny story. I met um, these people via the working on a indie film a small budget short film via the indian film festival and knowing them uh it led me to this film and then going in and having a meeting with them and i just pitched myself because i'm just that cool and then i got picked <laughs> to be the assistant director on it and uh yeah it was a pretty amazing experience and uh i think we came i mean i feel this everybody says it but i think as a group we really came together and it was like summer camp for a couple of weeks. And I think it was just a really cool experience being in hotels because um, we filmed at some spooky places. Oh yeah, absolutely. Nelson, uh, what about yourself? Tell us your story. Um, I, I moved out to LA like maybe I think five years ago or something like that. And we started a, a commercial production company and I got a call out of the blue. I was doing a lot of like cinematography and directing at the time. And I got a call out of the blue um, from AJ, our associate. He was like a, a producer on the film as well. And um, 
he said, there's this guy, Antoine, and he, I think he wants to do a movie with us and, hmm. and it's going to be a horror film in a hotel. Can you just talk to him? And I remember getting that first call from Antoine. Antoine gave me a call and it was just, he was so passionate and he was so like eccentric sounding. <laughs> I, I just I just knew that it was going to be an interesting project, so we we kind of signed up like that. But I think um, we we were like friends of friends is how that connection sort of came about. And the writer was from Pennsylvania, and we're I'm from Pennsylvania, and and we knew people that knew each other. Cool. Yeah. And last but definitely not least, Sam, Sam Valentine. Why don't you? You were you played a pivotal role in the film. Tell us about your role in the film and uh, and how you came to be part of the project. Yeah, so uh, I played Danny, who is uh, the girl with the boys, if you will, in the uh, <laughs> film crew. Uh, I actually came onto the project. Uh, I think I, I was one of the last people that was cast. They had um, Matt Solomon, who plays Drop the Mic, long before. Uh, and so I actually got to really audition and... Uh, with the, the callback, we really got to play, which was one of my favorite parts. And when I left the room, I said, regardless, I want to be friends with those guys, no matter what happens. But I had actually just come off of filming uh, another movie in, in France, which was very random. It was also a horror movie. Uh, and I came back to LA and three months later was found the script to followed online. And I read it and I was like, this is good. I've done a lot of horror movies and this one's really good. <laughs> I want to do this. Um, so Danny was really fun to play because she was really, like I said, one of the boys. She, I got to, if you guys have all been on a set, you know that the crew gets to, you know, wear boots and oversized jeans and t-shirts and drink beer afterwards and all that <laughs> stuff. And I got to do all of that as Danny with some really cool crew. So it was a blast for me. Well, you did great. It was quite a performance, I tell you what. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so uh, as, as an actor myself, uh, I would like to uh, extend thanks to Carrie because I think as we all know, the whether or not, I've been on a lot of sets and whether or not the set is a tolerable place to exist rides <laughs> a lot on the assistant director. So um, big props to you. Everybody else, was she any good? <laughs> she was great. She was really I'm good. Sure she oh, was, she was, great, right? was really, really, and it wasn't yeah. an easy set either. It was a very, the schedule was extremely tight. I think we shot the whole thing in like 12 days or something like days, that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah and I, I think I read, you guys shot this in 12 days and the script was 144 pages, which is north of 10 pages a day, which is, that's tight for like a TV schedule. Usually for those of you who don't know, usually a film, like a cinematic film might shoot four or five, maybe six pages on a good day. Mm -hmm. uh, to shoot a feature length film of 144 pages in less than two weeks is an incredible feat. So that's, that's pretty awesome, you guys. Um, yeah, I, gotta, I gotta give a lot of, uh, of props to, 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 to Carrie because you know, obviously it was my first, uh, my, uh, first feature debut. So I was still new in the set and, you know, Carrie's been experienced from the standpoint of working on sets before. So she keeps us, you know, on time and everything else. You know, just like she joked earlier. Yeah, like I was, you know, I was just like walking around trying to think of the next shot and whatnot. And she's like, Antoine, we late. Antoine, we're late. <laughs> just so funny. I actually had to hide from her to go on a smoke break because if she caught me smoking, she's like, Antoine, what are you doing? Get back on set. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Carrie really was a uh, was a tremendous help in getting my oh. sponsor. 
And that's kind of par for the course for a relationship between a director and an AD. What were you going to say? Ben, I was going to add on to that. The way I think we were really able to accomplish that many pages in the amount of time is the way the movie is structured via the storytelling of the cinematography. Because since it is each character essentially has a camera on them, we don't necessarily have to do wide, medium, and close-ups because that is the one camera that's used the whole time. And so that made it go so much faster. And it was really great working between Nelson and Antoine of like, how can we make this the most efficient way to get this done possible? And then, yes, with Antoine being first-time director, there's a lot of fun moments of him saying something and Nelson's like, I have no idea what he wants. And I'd be like, hold on, let me figure out what it is he wants and let's make this happen. Because I mean, it was like some basic things that I, I can't think of anything at the moment, but it was just, he wasn't like wrong in what he was saying, but it's not quite like the film lingo. So it was like, yeah. okay, hold on, let, let's dissect this, translate it. And yes, that's what we're trying. That's what he means. <laughs> you know, like that, there, there's, there's that meme in all those filmmaker groups when it says, hey, you know, professionals, they would actually know how to use like This is when you do a pan shot or whatnot. And, you know, for an amateur, it would be like, Pen left, pen right, pen up, pen down. That was, that's the whole meme, right? That's exactly me. I was like, everything's a pen. But that was funny. Like, I couldn't really know the lingo and all of that. Is, you know, I just had to explain it. And yeah, thank God for Nelson. I mean, like, he's, just, he's just incredible as far as, you know, um, so, you know, whatever I wanted, I would, I, I would just tell him, hey, this is what I, you know, this is what I would want. And I try to describe it. And he's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but here. Look at this. Is it what you want? I'm like, that's exactly what I want. I'm like, how about you read my mind? So that was just fantastic having someone like Nelson. Yeah, I do. I remember that. I remember like it was maybe like halfway through the shoot where we started to get this kind of communication going on where we, we right. what each other wanted. Can I ask, uh, this was called a screen life genre film. Um, that's what it's been described. The, the way it is a quote, it's a like an update of found footage. Can you guys describe exactly what that means? Um, yeah, so, so uh, Screen Life <laughs> is, is, I think it's, pop, uh, it, it's got, it's got uh, it reaches peak popularity thanks to Unfriended, which is, um, I think the creator of that mm-hmm. is, uh, I forget, it's a Russian director. He, you know, he, uh, he did the movie Wanted. And uh, he, so he was the one that actually created this whole technology, so to speak. It's called Screen Live. Prior to that was another movie that was similar called uh, The Den. I'm not sure whether mm-hmm. you've seen that. But I think, but to me, I think that was the pioneer. That was the original film that started this whole thing. However, that movie, it wasn't as successful uh, as, as Unfriended. But I thought Unfriended is absolutely wonderful. And uh, there was only one thing that I didn't like about Smile. Uh, uh, Unfriended, you know, besides the characters being annoying and whatnot. But there was one thing, one issue that I had with the whole screen lab genre was that the entire movie, you basically are just watching, you know, you're just basically just taking from the standpoint of a voyeuristic standpoint. You look at these actors or these characters do what, you know, going on the live or whatnot, but you never really, you know, the tension or like, you know, being able to be in their shoes or like being able to connect with them on a personal level. I just felt that it was gravely missing. And that was due to the fact that it was all just screen life. So, you know, once I wanted to do, you know, followed and we determined we wanted to do a found footage slash screen life is that I wanted to combine the two, you know, screen life, which is being more of a voyeuristic, taking a look at what you look at, but on the same token, you know, uh, create the whole uh, uh, point of view 
mm -hmm. standpoint. So that way the the audience can actually connect with uh, with the characters more. Yeah. So that's how I would say then in a practical aspect of that is like Nelson would film something from one of the characters' perspectives, and then Sam um, got to be Sam and had to hold a camera because she's she in character is filming and the mm -hmm. actress had to actually hold something so sam i would ask how was that for you of pretending to oh, have a camera and remember that you're filming but then when the flip side would happen or if you had to be behind nelson's shoulder and walk with them and stuff like that i will say thank god it was nelson because he was so fun <laughs> and he fit in like he could have he was basically a character in the team of all of us uh, we had so much fun because we, if you guys have seen the movie, you'll know that we spend a lot of time in an elevator and mm -hmm. those were real working elevators. So there was actual <laughs> people at different floors trying to get on sometimes. So we would have to get on, get off, get on, get off, or press a bunch of buttons <laughs> so we could stay on. And they're not very big. They're small downtown hotels. So we spent a lot of time all together in small spaces. Uh, and as an actor, it was pretty challenging because, uh, you know, you have to remember when you like pick something up or put something down in a scene, no matter what. But for this particular movie, you had to remember when on what line you turned your camera or you turned this way, or they said that I put the camera down. So having to figure that out from your perspective and then you had to all of a sudden be like assisted DP in a way was, uh, was gave me a whole new appreciation for that part of behind the camera. Luke, did you have something? Yeah, I got some questions. So like, uh, how much of the script, like, did you stick to the script? Did, was there a lot of like improv type stuff that went in as an actor or just as a screen team? Like, hey, let's just play around with this. Cause with the found footage, I feel like there's some wiggle room there. So yeah, I'd love to just hear about the experience of how you guys kind of went about it on set. Yeah, we were, gr we were graced with a lot of, a lot of wiggle room, <laughs> like that term uh, for it because Todd was on set, our writer was on set every day. Uh, so we could present ideas to him. He would rewrite it or he would say, that's good. Just say that. And because some of the scenes we would, tr we would get rolling and they would say, Anton Antoine would just tell us to keep going. I just, you know, to do what you guys did, but just keep going this time. So, All right. Because the camera's live in the corner. So we would just keep going and see how long we could run things out. From an editing perspective, I don't know how much fun that was, but. Oh yeah, it took us nine months to do it, right? No, from the perspective of, of, of the script is that, you know, Todd wrote a beautiful script and he's, you know, such a talented, such a brilliant writer. So I didn't want to change a lot of what he wrote. And keep in mind that we, we really didn't have the script ready when we did the casting. And part of the reason was because we wanted to, we wanted Todd to embody the characters that he's gonna be writing. So uh, once we're done with the casting, we know what the characters sound like and the mannerism and everything else, and Todd would write it. And then I know that Todd that, you know, uh, when, when we shoot it or when we shot it, I would give the, uh, you know, the actors directions or whatnot, and here's the uh, general idea of what it is. So they would stick to as much as possible to their lines. And then after that is, you know, part of the found footage is the whole mumble, uh, you know, mumble core genre. So I don't mind if they, uh, uh, um, you know, ad lib a little or if they actually would say their lines in a way that their characters would. And I think by that time, you know, they they have all embodied, you know, who their characters are. So that's why I think it, it was really interesting. It, it was really great by doing a combination of both mm -hmm. the script as written as well as what the actors could actually come up with as well.
embodying their own character status. And if you guys don't mind, if we could shift a little bit and because um, I know that Ben and Luke have, will have a lot of discussion and questions about this. The Cecil Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Can we talk a little bit about how you base this movie on the notorious haunted cursed hotel of downtown Los Angeles and some of the stories that kind of influence you and Beth had, I, I think Ben was about to say something just there. yeah well real quick story on on our interest in this so mm-hmm. I had first heard of the Ces- the Cecil Hotel you know a few years ago when the uh, uh, Elisa Lamb uh, situation had happened uh, the disappearance and then I had kind of researched it and I was like wow this is crazy and then I forgot about it uh, for a few years and then after the stay-at-home order went um, there was a show that came up on Hulu or something that was like reenactments of these mysteries from the Cecil hotel. And I just happened to tweet like Jim and Luke. I was like, Hey, I'm watching this like creepy show about the Cecil hotel. And Jim like went nuts. He's like, I used to live next door to the Cecil. I did. It was out my back window. And he's like, I can see it from my window and I'm, I'm obsessed with everything. Cecil hotel. Let's do a, let's do a scare guy show about it. So we and then, did like, Five days later, we were doing a scare guy show <laughs> at the hotel. So I dove into a lot of research about it. So it's something that we are really particularly interested in. Did you, did you guys, I, I didn't see it in the packet. Did you guys spend any time filming at the Cecil or did you spend some time researching there? Or can you tell me about say, Before yeah. you an- finish that, I'm like, wait, because I didn't want anybody to jump in. My question for Luke and Jim who have seen it. And then for those of us that worked on it, can you tell in the movie the hotel we filmed at is one location two location other other i (laughs) from someone who knows the cecil very well and i was trying to remember rack my brain i remember thinking it does kind of look what like what i remember the lobby are they in the lobby and then it, it looked it very much looked you guys went to the elevators went up and down the elevators went down to the basement don't want it to it looked like one hotel and from carrie's looks i kind of <laughs> think i may not have guessed that right what do you think luke well the funny thing is you're watching you're like are they actually filming there like i kept you, on saying you, that jim bought it like yeah. he bought that you're there the whole time um i mean i felt like everything flowed pretty seamlessly so like i mean i didn't really notice personally that it could have been more than one location so you did a great job there Especially but i when assume you got to room knowing film and, yeah go ahead but i oh, assume sorry. knowing film i mean definitely there could have been more than one but the way you did it i would not have been like obviously they filmed multiple places but you had multiple awesome things you had a great elevator you had a great downstairs you had multiple rooms to use that big open lobby area the basement so freaky creepy. yeah lots of mannequins <laughs> destroyed for this movie but uh oh my gosh, you know. yeah. <laughs> but what do you think what's the truth carrie i would guess i would guess if i'm gonna guess i would say well she already gave it a two i'm seeing double there for a second yeah two locations um and neither were the cecil hotel so you did not film at the Cecil? No. And no, they did each... not let us do that. Well, no. That's what we've heard, because Ben, we had... didn't you check into filming at the Cecil and they didn't want, or somebody did? No, I didn't check into filming there. I was just trying to like figure out, can I go stay there? And they're turning it, they've turned it into apartments, I think. They're trying mm-hmm. to rent Parts them. of it, yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Some of us That's... stayed there. Um, yep. Some of us spent a night there for research. Carrie, I, I think, did you do that? 
Yes, I still. Well, we so we filmed at the Hayward, which is the basement, the elevator, and a couple and one floor. And then those floors are actually intercut with um, what was the one on in K Town called? The um, Normandy. Thank Normandy. You. Oh, the Normandy. And then Normandy was like the main floor that they're on, but that was actually just one floor. So when they go like up and down, it's just like one floor that we had. Mm-hmm. The Normandy and is. So, actually haunted as well yes and so we stayed over there but um no there because we had like um two we had a picture room we had a hair and makeup room a storing Mm -hmm. stuff room and then do we have a fourth antoine yeah okay but um so we had the space and i was in the middle of moving so i'm like can i just stay over in the room Uh, (laughs) so i was like well i don't want to drive all the way home so yeah, they it was were really, really cool. nice. Like we rooms. lived there. Yes, they yeah. that that the Normandy ones were Hayward. Yeah, They're, those are a little more scary. And that basement <laughs> is really cool. The Hayward's an old, creepy-looking hotel. I mean, it's been renovated, I know, but that's one of the downtown. Yeah. Is I that, think it was. It's right next to Skid Row yeah. as well, correct? Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was some kind of like uh, um, uh, really scary-looking. Uh, I think it was apartments at the time. When we were hey, filming there. apartments too. Yeah, I think it's you yeah, can yeah. stay there and it's apartments. Yeah. Yeah, the Hayward is actually the apartment slash hotel, just like the same way that the Cecil was, because the, the Cecil's always been a, a apartment complex slash hotel. Right. So you know, the Cecil, there's like two different buildings. One is for residents, and the other one is for you know uh, tourists and whatnot. And uh, you know, the, the the story is actually really interesting as far as what we did. Uh, so originally, Todd Clake, our writer, called up the Cecil and basically what you know, basically told him that uh, we wanted to shoot a movie there, but you know, Todd didn't tell him that it was going to be a horror movie. Todd told him that it was going to be a comedy so yeah so it would be, be a comedy so they were really excited so they wanted to sit down with both Todd and Matt uh go over it. and I know I know that Matt told Todd Matt was like dude you can't say that because we actually doing a horror movie they gotta kick us out they found out so anyway so uh you know I wasn't in the meeting but uh so Matt went with Todd and, and uh, Matt sat down and actually talked to him about it first and we're really excited and the moment Matt mentioned that well actually we're going to do a horror movie you could see, you know, there, there there's miles just dissipating mm. faces, right? And they're like, oh, shoot, okay, that's a big number. So, uh, but, you know, they were nice enough to basically recommend to us in several hotels uh, within the area so that we could uh, find out, um, uh, you know, whether or not we could shoot that. So we basically, you know, we did, uh, we did a lot of research, location scouting. We actually found other places that were really cool as well, but ultimately we chose the Hayward, for the basement as well as the elevator and uh, some of the uh, hallway running sequences. And we would choose the Normandy for the interior uh, uh, hotel shots, I'm sorry, a hotel room shot, as well as some of the hallways uh, where they were in. And the way that we divided it is because the Normandy looked better. So we, we would consider the Normandy as, you know, the nicer floors in the movie and uh, the Hayward you know, we would actually consider that as the uh, uh, residential low-income floors, which, in a sense, is very much just like how uh, the actual Hotel Cecil was. And uh, for research, we actually did go to go to the Cecil. You know, we did, you know, do the whole uh, uh, spionage thing, so to speak. Like we went, we booked a room, and we actually stayed there for only the first half of a night. 
just to do the research so that I could feel, you know, what it was like. So, you know, as I was walking around, then I actually would hear the noises and, you know, I could, I could, I could look at some of the shots of, you know, these staircases, what it looked like. So I was just trying to get the feel of what it feels like to be in the Cecil. And I would, I would try to replicate that as much as possible when we started shooting. So that was the genesis or, you know, that's, oh. that was our experience with the Cecil. And me and Ben were talking about like the room numbers you guys were using, right, Ben? Like, yeah, like did the did the numbers? Because I'm uh, I'm sure you obviously researched the crap out of Hotel Cecil before <laughs> jumping into this. Did the room numbers that you used in the film correspond with any of the actual like haunted rooms or famous room numbers at the Cecil Hotel? Um, the answer is yes. It's just changed a little, but it is yes. So it may not have been 1428. It may have, may have been 14 something, but it was still, yeah, it was based on that. Uh, Todd was the person that, you know, was responsible for that. So he did, uh, you know, create the whole room of 1428. The funny thing is, though, is that I've actually seen, you know, after, after we shot a movie and everything else, I think I saw another movie with uh, John uh, Cusack. Exactly. And I think, yeah, yeah, the room was also called 1428 or something like that. Right? Yeah, 1408. I think. Yeah, 1408, right? Or, or, yeah, yes, there you go. So the things that it wasn't, it was purely a coincidence, but it was just a strange coincidence. Yeah, and the John Cusack movie was based off of, that was kind of an amalgamation of a lot of different haunted hotel kind of mm -hmm. stories that, um, I remember seeing that one in the theater. I liked it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, so who spent the night in the Cecil here? I did. <laughs> I did not. That was before our time, but yeah, who drank like the water there? Not like a full night. Not like a well. Listen. Okay. Yes, we did. <laughs> it was the cast went up to a room, um, and they we made a bet that no one would drink the water, and I was like, oh. Uh, and because of so, for our viewers and listeners who <laughs> don't know what you're talking about, what is the reason for that? Because Elisa Lam, uh, who was the original YouTube video that went very viral about being in the elevator and pressing all the buttons and doing really weird things. Like I watched that video so many times that we were filming. It's so weird. It's so yes. creepy. And I, oh God, I still feel for her family that that was something that they had to go through. Uh, but she was lost and went missing. And then uh, the water in the building began to run I believe like a brownish color. And then she was found uh, sometime later in the water tower on top of the hotel. Naked. And she's like a very small girl and <laughs> the, the lid was closed. And yeah, it's uh, so suspect. You're like, this is no sketches. And there was no yeah. signs of stress. Mm, yeah. um, but also haunted before we started filming as like a cast and crew bonding thing. We did do a haunted ghost tour of Devil's Gate in Pasadena. I saw that picture that you sent over. I was going to ask you what that was about. Yeah, that was super fun. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, so so that's something that I wanted to uh, for for the cast and crew to have just you know, as a bonding experience. Um, so, you know, I, I reached out to a friend who knew another friend that would, you know, they actually have those ghost tours. So I actually reached out to them and said, hey, we want to do a movie. And can you just give uh, us, you know, a tour of whatever it is you can do? And that's what we did. And oh, the, the picture up on the screen right now. Yeah. Uh, it's everybody is that now. in an elevator? That's a that is yep, exactly, that's exactly how that is over the way limit. <laughs> when we filmed. <laughs> that was every scene of the movie. Hey, you guys that's are- That's the Devil's Gate, yeah. You were mentioning mentioning the, the 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 sad tragic story of Elise in the elevator. 
without giving much away, that was a pivotal character, so to speak, in, in Followed. Um, I, I, I guess, it, could you talk a or little maybe. bit about this? Or, or was it a, I don't want to ruin anything. Let's not spoil it because this film is still in theaters. It is still, it might be number one for a yeah. third week. Who knows? But, um, <laughs> Cross our fingers. Uh, that's Guys, I, I just can't imagine having done a film that's number one in the country for two weeks. Bravo, bravo to you guys. But I guess talk a little bit thank about you, like, you. how'd you decide which parts of the Cecil story went into your story? How'd you decide what it is you want? What's the story you wanted to tell? Um, conceptually speaking, is that Todd and I, uh, you know, we, we were talking about all those events. We actually would name the sort of the events that we wanted to, to you know, to, to, to include in our movie. And obviously, Elise Salam is, is, is the most recent one. So we definitely wanted to use that. And secondly, is that we wanted to, uh, you know, use some of the, the, the past horrors that happened there as well. And of course, the serial killer, you know, uh, Richard Ramirez was there. And then uh, lastly, that there were just a bunch of random suicides and people just died in a very weird ways and whatnot. So we wanted to include all of that, but we, but we wanted to use the elevator game as, you know, as like a portal, because if you were to read up on the elevator game, you know, or at least the myth behind it, is that if you do it correctly, you would enter to in, you know, into like a different dimension. Wait, 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 what is the elevator game? Please explain that. Yeah, that, that was So the elevator game is- so That's a real uh, thing. I thought it was just in the film. No, it is a, an absolutely, you know, yeah. or it is a real thing, or, or you know, start of, uh, it started from one of those creepypasta thing. And uh, it, I think it's, uh, it started after the video of Alyssa Lam uh, surfaced. And it was supposed to be an elevator, you know, it was supposed to be a Korean uh, elevator game that if you were to press certain uh, buttons, uh, you know, sequences uh, in the elevator, it would actually take you to an alternate dimension or, you know, to the other world, right? And just funny because I didn't know what it was like. So I actually did read a lot on it. And of course, there are people that claimed they have done it and that they got people following them. Obviously, you know, to me, as I when I read it, it's like, yeah, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, yeah, right. Like, you know, if you actually did, why are you still alive? How are you just, <laughs> just sending it? You know, how are you still alive? How, how are you describing what it's like? So everybody has a quote unquote different. Uh, uh, ben, were you aware of the elevator game? I, I did not have any foreknowledge of the elevator. That's he I just know, happens think... to hit every button when he goes in the elevator. It's so annoying. Ben, have you seen the YouTube footage of um, Miss Lamb when she's doing the buttons in a particular order? Oh, yeah. It's insane. Okay, yeah. I, I so, didn't like, notice that until the, the movie. Like, yeah, you can watch that YouTube video. You can, or I mean, I don't know if it's still on YouTube, but you can find it, it somewhere. Is. But oh, she's I'm pushing sure them is. in very particular order, and her oh, behavior is just so bizarre. Eight six seven five so. three zero nine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yep. So yeah, we had to make sure we're doing the numbers right, the elevator right. What floor are we on? Wait, if they're exiting here, we're at this location. So that was fun to keep track of. And then yes, every time we open, as Sam was saying, open the door, it's like, oh wait, there's normal people here. Hold on, don't mind <laughs> us. And how long ago did you guys film this? Uh, 2016. Can you tell us, so you, you film this, this movie, you go through post-production and then you go through trying to sell it, I assume would, was the next step that you guys went. How did you get from that point of we finished the movie, 
you know, obviously at that point in time, this is probably what sometime in 2017, maybe 20 or early 2018, you're like, Hey, we want to sell this movie. We want it to go to theaters. We want wide distribution on this. Obviously there's no knowledge of COVID-19 or a coronavirus pandemic or anything like that. How do you get from there to the number one movie in drive-ins during a pandemic? Like, how did you get to the drive-ins? Right. Um, so originally, you know, when we, you know, uh, uh, so as I mentioned earlier, is that uh, at that time, myself, Matt, our producer, as well as another partner of mine, Greg Berlant, we just formed Viscate, which is a new production company. And the film that I really, really wanted to do was a, a autobiography of uh, one of the clients of mine that, that you know, he was a Holocaust uh, survivor. Mm-hmm. And his story is just absolutely beautiful. And I think that that you know that would make a fantastic movie. Uh, and of course, you know, me being a first-time director, no one would actually hand me that sort of project to do. And uh, you know, on the same tokens, I wanted to prove that hey, I know I can make a movie, uh, no matter what genre, because horror horror was never my genre in the first place. To be completely honest, is that back in college uh, or whatnot, all I made was mostly drama and action, and even a couple of romance pieces here and there, but never horror. I love horror films, though. I love watching it, but I never thought that it would be able to make it, right? So, um, so fast forward to, 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 to when we got the production company, we we get some money, uh, you know, for my money, what I meant is just my savings and whatnot. So we're like, okay, we don't have enough to make, you know, a big full-blown movie, but we may have enough to do some sort of a found footage or screen live sort of thing. So we decided that, okay, we go, we're going to do something that is good. We're going to do something that is, you know, that it showcases my skill as a director. And at the same time, we were hoping that it would be good enough so that it would actually go, you know, digital. It would actually get uh, get bought by a distributor. And of course, you know, being able to uh, be the next player, which, which is, again, we knew that it was a really tall order. We knew that it was almost impossible given this day and age. But, you know, again, it doesn't really hurt to, 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 to you know, shoot for the sky. Or sorry, it's true for the movie. Yeah. Well, uh, so so that's what we did, and and um, so after we shot and everything else, and of course the, the budget started to become bigger and bigger and bigger due to the fact that we had to do a lot of of, of post and whatnot. So I do remember as we were filming, I needed to raise money, and the same time as we were filming, I think that was one time I think the actors could tell you as well that we were uh, filming a very pivotal scene. We got like three takes of that, and we need like at least I wanted two or three more takes. But one of my investors showed up, so I had no choice but to basically talk to him. But I already gave the actors and, and 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 carry all the directions or whatnot. So I was like, hey, look, we got three good takes. You can just go ahead and film the rest of it for now. Uh, let me go talk to the investor real quick. So, so I would actually have to do a do a, a juggling job uh, from that standpoint. But it was that you know. So we put a lot of hard work into it. So by March, um, so after we wrapped by March 2017, we finally got a a, a draft cut, right? And this cut was, I knew that it wasn't ready, but I wanted to. We needed to raise more money. So what we did was. We got a room Antoine, for, uh, speed up to how it gets to theaters. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, all right. So we got there. So again, well, this is pivotal, not a full right? TED talk, we man. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though, because you would actually miss out on part of the story. So once we get Do all a the separate video. There, 
<laughs> we don't what have a mean? whole hour, man. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. Let me So, Antoine, um, for, but like <laughs> once you got the finished product, I noticed you guys won some awards. You, so you took it to film festivals. Is that how you? Is that where you sold it into distribution? No, not yet. Because even before that, before that, <laughs> I, I would talk about the whole cast and crew screening, right? Where it wasn't ready, but I was able to raise some more money. But that, at that time, we actually did get approached by a few distributors, including, you know, IFC Midnight, right? That was interested. You know, there was an offer, I think, like that, interested. We thought that we could do even better, you know, and our, our thought was, at the time was that, hey, there's no, you know, the budget was low, so we could actually take the risk. So we took the risk, we raised some more money, and then we recut the film, and we basically uh, uh, went over to the Burbank Film Festival. And that's when we actually get it shown up. And after that, we actually get even more deals from online distribu uh, distributors. And most of them would actually just tell us, hey, we can go straight to digital. I'll give you guys 10 theaters or whatnot. Mm -hmm. but we held out. We held out until we finally found uh, another distributor global who basically would give us uh, uh, from 100 to 300 initial theaters. And then after that, they could actually expand up to a thousand theaters. As well. Was that, and just because we are kind of running short on time, was that, um, all theaters or did they specifically how did you get it into the driving uh, um so so it was 10 markets it was supposed to be 10 markets all around the uh the country and it was supposed to be traditional theaters and we set the date for april 10th and april 10th rolls around of course COVID 19 happened so we shut down and everything all of the plan went out the window and again so we just sat there and waiting for an opportunity to go back mm -hmm. and may hit and when may hit the Wretched became one of the biggest box office hit. Right, I remember that. It was just a few years, I mean, a few months, weeks <laughs> back. It, right, right. it does feel like years, doesn't it? It does feel like years. You got one it, right? So, so we took the lead and we basically convinced our distributors, like, hey, look, guys, drive-in, there should be a lot of business nowadays. Let's go ahead and do it. So we convinced our distributor, and that's what he did. Right. Mm -hmm. did, you, did you guys actually go to the drive-in for when it first premiered? Yeah. Damn, you've gone, I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. We I sadly, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't have a premiere, unfortunately, because COVID cases were rising. We had like, they were going to do some kind of red carpet thing. And so, but because COVID cases went up, uh, we had to ixnay that. And so we all just individually went. Um, and it's, it's been a blast to see it in drive -in. So It's like such a throwback to being like 14 in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a couple questions here. So real quick question for for the cinematography, can you tell us a little bit about the special effects and how you went from doing certain camera shots to film the kind of certain shots or burst what you did in special effects uh, in post? Um, the, there actually weren't that many um, special effects that we did in post. There was, there was only a few, like a handful. There was a lot of practical effects. Um, Patrick, we had somebody doing props for us. And I remember there were, there were days where he would he would have like, you know, the animal parts and different things like that mm -hmm. for different scenes and 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 but there were a few there were a few challenging special effects bits um that were like you know the oh i, I don't want to spoil anything actually but, <laughs> but there were a few there were a few challenging special effects bits that we had to do some work in post and everything um because there was a certain headshot that was very interesting yes unless you got somebody practical. double jointed in the neck yeah. yeah, that's actually that's oh, a Patrick our, um, yeah. props guy, and he is double jointed in the neck. I oh my god! <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, but we yeah, that was definitely that was all done in post, and it was it it worked out really really well. I remember the first time we saw it on a big screen in Burbank, being I'm being really surprised at 
how well it held up along mm-hmm. with how well the footage held up from the cameras right. because at that time we had really decided to to kind of go against using cinema cameras and traditional cinema cameras we were thinking like reds and stuff like that but you know we knew we'd have to do so much well i would have to do so much running around in that in the movie that it was really out of the you know out of the question and and we decided kind of to go with what these vloggers were using at the time which was like you know mm-hmm. sony you know mirrorless dslrs so we just we went that direction i was really really surprised at how well the footage like held up on the big screen it looked amazing you, yeah you created a lot of horror with just some simple shots like a door opening or different mm-hmm. things and somebody with scratches on their face i'm trying not to give it all up but you guys <laughs> did a lot with just a lot of simple things of the character at the end of the hallway yeah the character at the end of the hallway in the red light so creepy so yeah. creepy bouncy I, ball question mark you know oh, the bouncy geez, ball you scene know. yeah that, you guys yeah. did a good yeah the thing i loved about the film it didn't rely on like giant jump scares and like it was very atmospheric it was very elegant and in, in, in the way you guys were able to create horror on a small budget i always say a smaller budget makes for a better story it, it, when it once you get a giant budget you start relying on cgi and all this stuff that just kind of ruins stuff was there some paranormal activity inspiration with that kind of like the low budget kind of multi-camera type feel like i mean you guys really did take that and even in my opinion went further because it was a lot more engaging in my opinion than some of the paranormal stuff i've seen there are just these long-winded kind of things yeah i mean like we Go ahead, Carrie. Well, keeping it like vlogger YouTuber style of how they would be filming it and the idea is they're constantly filming and some of it, which not spoiler, but cool thing to be on the lookout for Ben when you get to see it is that kind of like end basement sequence. Nelson and everybody involved did such a great job to make that feel like it's one continuous shot. It's not really. But we did a really good job to make it seem like it's one shot because it's literally like running on like uh, a vaulted kind of area and downstairs and having things come at Nelson and Matt as they're running and like in the dark. And it's like, please, nobody fall, nobody break anything. And that was like, also, that was our last, last, last stuff to film. It was insane. Yeah, I think we filmed that last scene in like 40 minutes or something. We were about to get minutes. kicked out of the, the hotel. Yeah, they were like, you guys got to leave. And it was just yeah. like, oh my gosh, we, we, we got to get this. But it, it turned out great. As you could, as you saw, did it seem like it was one thing? Yeah. Yeah, last, it, it very last, much did. Yeah. The last sequence was very intense, by the way. I love films about someone who is obsessed, like obsession movies. Mm-hmm. Like you have to get mm-hmm. to the... And I don't want to ruin any of that part. Like I, there is a, there's a, there is a central character who is obsessed with finding out the truth about this hotel, which I love that part of the story. I do have to ask though. Um, I heard rumors that perhaps some weird or supernatural things may have happened on the set. Is that true, or th- are those just rumors to be dismissed, like a yeah, crying baby well. or something like that, or good it pranks? Absolutely true. In fact, we have one of the footage as well um that's like on 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 film um so we'll probably put it on like one of the special features or whatnot but anyway there was one shot that the character of uh, matt he was opening up the door and he was like hey it's okay little baby right so he did that he says okay little baby and you know there was nothing there on set so everybody was you know nobody heard anything so when we were editing it the moment he said 
it's okay, little baby. Guess what? We actually heard a baby crying. <laughs> a ba I swear to God, we heard a baby crying and there was no way, a, you know, there was no way the camera put would have picked that up because the sound guy, everybody, myself, we would have heard it. So we are still trying to rack over our like, How is that? Where is that coming from? Where's the baby coming? And it's right there. The moment Matt says, it's okay, little baby, you hear it clear as day. We still have that footage. We will, we, we will probably show it one of these days. But it's I think that might've been one of us crying. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because what, like, you know, our sound. No, I'd say one of the, so, no, it's one of the cool spots, actually, when you're watching, and Ben, you can be on the lookout for it, and then props to Nelson and Sam for being in, like, being in the moment. There's a moment where um, a friend prop of Mike's falls. It's placed up high, and it falls. Um, that was not planned. And it was so, we all were, because we were all huddled in as many, as few people as possible in the hotel room to kind of make sure things are going along. And so we're like, nobody react, please, because it was so good. But the actors stayed in it. And then, you know, Nelson's still like, okay, don't move, keep filming, because the idea of like being there. And then we had like night cameras set up and everything. That I think was the only really weird thing that happened, but it was perfect. And we're all like, wait, did somebody do that on purpose? Yeah, and it made the final cut, which is awesome. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it, it was. So, as we come to the end here, Ben, what do you have any questions? Uh, that have you been intrigued enough about the movie to uh, want to have any questions about it? Have I been intrigued enough? That's such a terribly <laughs> worded question. I just said. <laughs> ben, do you have any questions? Questions all <laughs> night. Um, no, I. So I watched the trailer. I read through the production packet. I'm so disappointed that I didn't get to see it because. I was like, before we had you guys on, I was like, oh, it's like a little indie horror movie, whatever. And then I watched the trailer. I was like, oh, this is some serious shit. Like this is, <laughs> like this looks good. And so I'm super stoked to see it. And the fact that you guys shot it in such a short amount of time, uh, you know, was there, was it just really like guerrilla style? You were just like, got that, cut it, move on to the next thing, jump into a minivan, speed down the street kind of environment. <laughs> no, it's, well, believe it or not, it was yes actually and the no. that they planned. Yeah, it, it was, I mean, it's like, like I said, everybody is just working on the bus, but it was particularly planned. Like, for example, the whole one take, you know, down the basement. Yes, yeah, like, you know, it was meticulously planned in a sense that, you know, we actually had to plan it like literally a month in advance or in my head like as far as how everything is. And of course, because we shot at two different hotels and we shot things all out of order. So it was incredibly tough, you know, but it's just that we just had an incredible team. That well, we, Nelson was you know, good too of like, we need to get on to the next shot. And um, Nelson and I worked together of like, what is the easiest sequence? And also with our grip and lighting of what's the best sequence of filming this so they don't have to waste time setting up. So then Nelson worked with them a lot of like, all right, this is what is next. So I don't know, Nelson, what, how did you feel of like going to the next shot and next and next? Uh, Pre-lighting was extremely important. I mean, it's usually important on a film, but for this one, it was like you had to pre-light. Otherwise we wouldn't get any, like we wouldn't have been able to shoot that last scene because I remember we only had 40 minutes. You know, mm -hmm. but luckily Andy Argaffer and his team had already been down there for the last two hours pre-lighting the whole thing and 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 doing all the scare bits and everything. And you know, it was really important that we had like the few days that we had to just talk and prep and go through all the different locations and 
Yeah, and 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 really important that for a bunch of the scenes, you know, thank God that the lighting was primarily a light on the camera. <laughs> and that definitely helped a lot in terms of time. But yeah, pre-lighting, uh, a lot of different things went into that. But a lot of gorilla things um, for this film. A lot of gorilla lighting setups and, and different kind of things. If, if you've never, if, if you're film inclined, for those of you listening and for those of us here on, on the panel, uh, if you follow the Instagram account, Shitty Rigs, <laughs> um, it's beautiful it's be and it's just people's rigs that they've set up out of duct tape and macaroni you know yeah. so um, <laughs> that's that's some pinterest inspiration for you right there um, sam how was it for you of running our running gun get going i mean if thank god the team got along so well and everyone could move so quickly because there was you know shots there's a shot in a diner at one point where a lot of things happen there's people outside there's people inside that was the day we had extras and uh and we, we shot it in, I think, 12 minutes. We went from an upstairs location to a fully new location uh, and shot a scene in 12 minutes. So, you know, you just have to give credit to a really quick and on it team and really awesome actors to act with who already know what they're doing can pull it out because 12 minutes to shoot a whole new setup, you guys all know that's literally <laughs> impossible. <laughs> that is a lightning fast company move. I'll tell yeah. you that. Right. Yeah. Very stressful days for us. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> we could go on talking with you guys about this for the next yeah. two and a half to 12 hours. Um, but unfortunately, we don't have that much time. And uh, our producer, Ryan, uh, is cracking the whip and telling us we have to <laughs> wrap up right now. So, um, Jim, Luke, any any final questions that... Uh, oh, I got one. What's your one question? So, me as an Instagram Scare Jim channel, if you look up Scare Jim on Instagram, oh. I like to prank and scare Jim. Now, were there any pranks that happened during this film that you guys did to each other to really creep each other out? Uh, I went around scaring people a lot. <laughs> there was a, there was a, I, I did a lot of the like, just like standing outside the window until somebody sees us. And like the, the girl who did our makeup, I would, I would all, she would always be put in this room where like it was so easy to scare her. So I would just stand outside the window and I would have somebody come up behind her and be like, yeah, what, what is that in the window? And she'd turn around and she'd just see like me there. And she would freak out. Um, I can't awesome. remember other, what, were there, Carrie, were there other times when we were scaring each other? I remember pranking each other a lot. I don't know about Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people teasing each other. Like it was very, yeah, as you've said, everybody really that you could tease each other and not like piss anybody off and it would just be all in fun and um, hurry people along too. <laughs> yeah, guys, we didn't have a ton of time to like plan. Yeah. Some yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> My last question is, um, is there a sequel possibly in the works? I don't know. I, I don't know. Yes, there's, um, I can confirm that there is a sequel and there's more than just a sequel, right? So there's there's been talks and uh, you know, you've seen the movie, so, so you see that there's a universe that we are building out. And of course, you know, a lot of the things that our audience are asking is like, hey, a lot of things are not explained, you know, as far as that's concerned, like what's behind the scene. And I want you guys to watch it and know that you're watching someone's vlog, right? So yeah. that means you got to ask yourself, how reliable is the vlog? Right? And how reliable is the main characters and whatnot. So all those are, you know, we're building a universe. We call it the expanded uh, followed universe that uh, we can't wait to really, you know, show, showcase it to everybody else. But yes, there's a lot that is being planned at the moment. 
That is fantastic. We'll be following the uh, Marvel movie uh, franchise model, and uh, the next movie will be specifically just about Danny. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If she survives. We'll see whether we can bring you guys back. <laughs> right. The ghost well, of Danny, yeah, maybe. Antoine, Carrie, Nelson, Sam, congratulations on such a great film, and congratulations on so much success. Two weeks at number one. We're going for three weeks, guys. Come on, let's make it up yeah. there. Let's root for us. All right. So, um, Antoine, for where can people find out uh, more information about the film or what is coming up next from you online? Where can people follow you? Where can... <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so can you be followed? Film, uh, um, all you got to do is just go on followedhorrormovie.com. Just followed horrormovie.com. They'll be able to find uh, the theaters. Now, keep in mind that we have both, we had both drive ins as well as traditional uh, hardtop theater, right? Okay. So it all depends on the location. But of course, if you're in a hardtop theater, just make sure that, you know, you keep your social distancing and everything else. Just follow the CDC guidelines, right? Um, now, as for me, it's that, yeah, there are a couple of things that we're working on. One is a action slash drama. Uh, and another one is basically uh, developing the followed universe as we speak. And my own production company, we are also in charge of developing a few projects as well. So All right. hopefully you're here by the end of the summer. And Carrie, we love to follow you, but where can people find you? Yes, you can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. Uh, finishing up Barkskin's after show. So if you're into historical fiction, that's over on AfterBuzz. And if you like anime, we're covering Demon Slayer, which is also a really fun horror anime as well. And that's also on the AfterBuzz animation channel. So sister channel to Popcorn Talk. Fantastic. Nelson, where can people find you? Uh, the best place to find me is on uh, Tinder, Bumble. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just Nothing Instagram. changes, does wow. it? <laughs> Instagram right at Nelson Pun. Uh, Instagram at Nelson Pun is probably the best way to find me. That's that's where I'm most active, just Instagram. And really cool photography on there. Oh, great. Mm -hmm. And Sam, where can people find out about what's going on with you? Uh, I'm at Sam Valentine on Instagram, at Sam Valentine LA on Twitter. And I also run the podcast and site One Broke Actress. Uh, so I have that going on as well. Just real quick, what is that? What is One Broke yeah, Actress? Yeah, One Broke Actress is a site for actors in the industry uh, to kind of talk about things that are going on in the actual real working actor thing. Because I think too many success stories are written after they happen. So oh, I'm writing mine while it happens. Very cool. <laughs> All right, Cheeseman on the couch. Where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at cheese on couch. And you can also find me on the scareguy.com and also the conguy.com, our other show, the conguy show. Yeah. And Ben. Hey everybody. It's your old buddy, Ben Cleaver. You can find me on all social media at B E N K L I E W E R. And you know, M O U S E. Uh, yeah. People always ask me, Hey, why are you drinking out of that red cup? It's because whenever Ben Cleaver shows up, it's always a party. <laughs> always a party. And you can follow, follow me on thescareguy.com. Go to thescareguy.com to find us. Also, you can find our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, The Scare Guy. And you can find me on Twitter at JimFryLA or on Instagram at JamesDFry. I'm going to hopefully get those uh, made a lot easier to follow one of these days. But guys, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Team who did the follow. Thank you guys for coming on our show tonight. Much luck in the future. Everybody, thank you for following the show tonight. Please follow us online at thescareguy.com and we will see you guys next time. Have a good and creepy summer in the best possible way though. Be well, everyone.
From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.